Well, we did it, folks. Double digits, episode 10 of the Spoken Tour. And to celebrate, we're just going to kick back and play one from the archives for you. So here you go. Hope you like it. But, d- Ty, we've 10... I don't think we can go ahead and pull one out of the archives. We have 10 episodes. Dude, those not, NPR podcasts do it all the time. Dude, that's not how this works. You can't just cop out and pull one from the archives. We don't have an archive. Dude. Damn it. We need to do a normal episode. That's so much work. <sighs> Come on. All right. Welcome, you are listening to The Spoken Tour. Bienvenidos, están escuchando The Spoken Tour. It's Thursday, September 21st, 2017. Oh my God, it's the 21st of September. Okay, all right, let's do this. I'm not freaking out or anything. It's the 21st of September, but uh, episode 10, here we go. We are in Mazunte, coastal town of Mazunte, one of the Pueblos Mágicos de México, in the state of Oaxaca, and uh, we are seeing the sun and the blue sky for the first time in over 48 hours. (laughs) Yeah, we... We're in full-on rainy season here in Mexico. One of those things that, you know, you probably should check before a one-year-long bike ride. Like, when is rainy season in Central America? Um, but, yeah, it turns out pretty much perfectly coincides with hurricane season, which, by the looks of it's going to be around till end of October, mid-November. So, a lot more rain to come. Yay. <laughs> Um, another just little preface to the episode, we're recording in the, the jungle, so there's going to be some ambient noise, some wind, some critters, some beautiful birds. It's all part of the experience. Yeah, <laughs> the spoke the spoke experience. Um, but no, seriously, yeah, we're stoked that uh, this is our 10th episode, um, and we're even more stoked to have some killer updates from Mexico City. Uh like when we visited Teotihuacan and climbed the Pyramid of the Sun. And we did something kind of unprecedented from a... I don't even know what type of level that would be. Spiritual, mind, body... What, what, would, you, what would you call it? It was... <laughs> I believe the literal translation is a blood sacrifice. <laughs> yes. Where, yes! Where you take your dull pocket knife and you open your palm making your veins vulnerable to the blade and you just go ahead and slice yourself to leave a mark on this millennium's year old pyramid yeah a fitting sacrifice not like a we got up there and we had this urge and we didn't want to like leave peanuts or a shoe we wanted to leave our flesh and blood which we did we did um so if you're up there um 
believe it's on the northeast yeah. <laughs> corner. Two very small streaks of blood from oh, yours truly. But, uh, yeah, Mexico City was rad. We uh, were lucky enough to have some familiar faces come into town. Uh, we had Allie, Thomas, and Kate come pay us a visit for a long weekend, which was so rad. And uh, in fitting fashion, um, within the first couple hours they arrived, we were walking out to go get some tacos, and a humongous earthquake hit. Um, it was the first earthquake. I think Allie had been in a small one, but it was in the San Francisco, first yeah. earthquake of this size that any of us had ever been in. Um, and it was wild. I mean, we were walking down the street, and it seemed like uh, the, the trees had just gotten hit by like a big windstorm. And so we looked up, and we see all the birds flying away, and we see the trees shaking, and realize that there's no wind. And then in the distance, we see um, what looked like giant like lightning strikes, but really they were just transformers blowing up. Um, and then all of a sudden, the ground beneath us, it felt like we were on a giant swing. And um, the earth just started swaying back and forth. And before we knew it, we look around, and everyone is out of their buildings, standing in the middle of the street, um, in their pajamas, pets in their arms, um, like very, very panicked. Um, yeah, I mean, what? Just so surreal. Yeah. I mean, from like the body, the physical experience of having the earth beneath your feet move and shake like that, but then also just to be surrounded by such mass confusion, nobody really sure of what was going on. It was uh, very, very unsettling. Yeah. And we were super lucky. We were like over 400 miles from the epicenter and it was an 8.2 magnitude earthquake enormous and uh we didn't there no physical harm uh no structural harm uh to the city of mexico at least in that earthquake um and yeah the, the areas that got hit hardest were oaxaca and chiapas and oaxaca which we're in right now and we definitely saw the after effects yeah. Uh, with some of just some absolute massive landslides uh, that had been triggered in the mountains. Um, but yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, pretty, pretty kooky start to having our friends in town. Uh, just the first couple hours being a giant earthquake. But uh, it was a blast. We bopped around town on the metro. We checked out the Friday night luchador match, which was outrageous, and I would recommend it to anyone going to Mexico City, especially you, Graham Ward. Um, and yeah, it was just good being around other people with a similar sense of humor who understand to a degree what the hell we're doing. Um, just felt good to feel normal again. Um, and to do kind of a normal check, we we sat down with with Kate and Thomas on the on the last night and just poked and prodded them for uh, some answers to see if we are in fact uh, still mentally stable more or less. So here's a little clip from from hanging out with them on the last night. We have two buds in town. We have my cousin Tom. And we have current Mari Post resident, Kate. And I'm just, I'm really curious from an outsider's perspective. 
if we're uh, if we're still normal, if we seem like normal to you guys? Um, normal in the sense that you haven't lost your minds yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you okay, do, perfect. You do seem normal. Like I don't need to put you into a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> okay, thank, seriously, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, okay oh man yeah um, the new normal for you guys but what is i mean normality is it just something that you guys have been, become comfortable with because you're still my buds you're still the people that i know and love that have uh just decided to do something crazy um that's not normal but the people that i've known uh and come to know are the same people that have started this trip. Um, maybe you have something new inside of both of you that is not normal, or maybe it's growing right now and you're, you're excited for the change or you don't know it's coming, but um, you're still the people that everyone knew and, and uh, we all love, so. Dom, I'm gonna have to say something really serious here, actually. Shit. Uh, your smells have changed. The way that your feet smelled today was not normal. Okay. And I... <laughs> okay, cut the tape. Okay, we're going to press pause here. Something was wrong with that. I get that. This is what happens when you have three pairs of socks <laughs> and you have two pairs of shoes. I, I don't know what to say to that. I because to leave the room. It's the rainy season in this country. <laughs> what was your guys' highlight of yeah. Mexico City? Oh, wow. The corn that I had. Oh. Street corn. corn? Nice. Yeah, that was one of the highlights. That was that was, amazing. That was good. I would have to say, definitely going through the market. I have a weird thing for markets in foreign countries. I've only been to a couple, but still, it's just such a oval, overwhelming cultural experience to be in, in like totally a foreign land that's totally normal to this particular place. And I think like in the markets here, when you're the odd man out, you get. The whole experience is like amplified <laughs> by two or three. Stereo. Yeah. Because like, everybody is just like trying to bring you into their stand or their mm -hmm. little. Yeah. Like when we were walking through the market and we just Close took it. took a quick turn, just took a quick right turn. And all of a sudden there's just like three guys. Three guys manhandling a, an oh, elk. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that was awesome. Skin, skinning the elk in the middle of the market. Like, With the hooves, like, like, like hanging. Yeah, no no like sand like no tarp put out no. or no just like on the floor also, of the market that I've been walking on with you my walked shoes up to him. that I've stepped in dog poop with. <laughs> like just just killing like skinning the elk. I like how I walked up to him, made eye contact with him, and then they tried to sell me other types of meat at the same time while having huge butcher knives ripping the skin off this elk. I would say Ciclovia was cool too. What do you guys Dude, think? The Friticala Museum? Friticala. Friticala. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about yeah, Lucha Libres? I may never forget about it. I might also, remember it later. 
healthy of salsa dancing. Oh, yeah. Whole yeah. new so respect for beautiful. salsa dancing. Yeah. And the dancers. And the dancer. Singular. Right, the singular. Because it's, it, let the record show, it's equally a singular art. A lot of people think yeah. you need to be in a pair. No. But Tom, that's not the case, is it? No, I, I definitely realize it's more of an individual sport. Um, when you're there and you're wearing tennis shoes and you're finding yourself just practicing the fundamentals by yourself while everyone dances. With their partners, and sometimes, sometimes, it's about yourself on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you don't have a steady rhythm, exactly. I was just looking, like I said, the moment I stepped in that place, I wanted to establish myself as the steadiest guy in the club. <laughs> and from the moment I started dancing by myself to the last moment before the cl- we left, and I was dancing by myself. I was the steadiest guy in there. <laughs> was I not? Was I? Was there? Did you guys see anyone steadier? Uh, no. Did you no. guys see anyone steady dancing. dancing by themselves who was steadier? <laughs> no, you're definitely steady dancing. And because the the guys who were out there maybe for longer than you were, they were constantly switching partners. Exactly. And their dancing was constantly changing yeah. because of that. Yeah. So you were steadier than they. I were. was steady with the same moves. You had your own rhythm, man. Yeah. Thank you. You stuck to it. Thanks for recognizing. And then they just left. <laughs> they just got in the car and drove off, and Tom and I were left standing together on the sidewalk. Two weeks of hanging out in Mexico City came to this screeching halt, and we were faced with the harsh reality that we had to get back on our bikes and start moving ourselves along again. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I was talking to my friend Aaron about just like that moment of them leaving. She's like, yeah, it's always like that first hour that's the weirdest. And I just started laughing because the moment after our friends left, we went inside without a word spoken. I sat down on the floor just against the door. Ty went into the kitchen, grabbed us two beers, and we just drank these beers in absolute silence, realizing that it was just the two of us again. Two buddies. Mm -hmm. Uh, then uh, we tried to gather all of our things that had been systematically discombobulated over the course of two weeks, bopping around Mexico City. Got everything packed up, hopped on our bikes with fresh parts. We got to Puebla, got ourselves settled in, and then set off uh, for three major days to Oaxaca. Yeah, and we wanted to put in some pretty big crusher days to get to Oaxaca for Independence Day, which uh, is observed on the 16th of September, but from everything we were told, celebrated on the 15th with El Grito. And El Grito is kind of like this, uh, it's like a call to independence. Um, And we have a little crappy recording of what the actual El Grito is um, that we'll play in a sec. But yeah, it's like, usually takes place in um, kind of the central square and some sort of important figure will get up and yell corral everyone into this el grito um and so here here's a kind of shaky recording of of what el grito is
So those names that he's shouting are all names of uh, prominent figures of the revolution, and then the famous grito at the end is Viva Mexico, Viva Mexico. But then the rest of the holiday was a little bit strange. We were anticipating kind of, I guess, like an American holiday where stores close, towns are tranquil. That there's some like formal celebration of some sort. but Parade or yeah, something. Was, we didn't really know, but there it was, was just a normal Saturday. Yeah, there was no, it wasn't observed at all, and people just, I mean, it was cool. Like, the town was decorated with uh, yeah, that um, was great. Mexican colors, which was cool, but um, yeah, it, it if you if we would not have known it was a holiday uh, marked on the calendar, it would have been like any other normal day. But um, we were told that since um, Oaxaca and Chiapas had been hit the hardest by the earthquake, that um, that might be one of the reasons why it wasn't going to be as celebrated as jubilantly as it otherwise might. Um, and then with that also. Chiapas and Oaxaca are kind of notorious for being the the final two Mexican states to have been conquered by the Spanish, and with that, they have a pretty alive and active, more or less revolutionary spirit still um, pumping, and the two of those factors um, were told to us by others that... Uh, that may be why it wasn't this big, huge celebration like it was in Mexico City or, or elsewhere. But yeah, just kind of a little odd. We were, I mean, not we weren't like disappointed. We were just like very surprised yeah. that it, that's how everything yeah. went down. Like we, we had kind of busted ass uh, to make it there for the celebration, <laughs> and it was pretty funny just seeing the anticlimax that we had just worked our asses off to be there for. Yeah. But Oaxaca is rad. Such good coffee, such good food, mole, yeah. chocolate. I mean, the pretty much the rumors are true about Oaxacan food being absolutely stinking amazing. Um, but yeah, after Oaxaca, back into La Sierra Occidental, um, which brought us up to about 9,000 feet. Um, just another ass whooping of a ride. Um, but it was awesome. This town we stayed in, San Jose del Pacifico, uh, was nestled above the clouds so it was just like such an awesome show um i think we got there and probably for six hours just sat on this little porch and watched the clouds roll in and out yeah um which was which was awesome totally 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 awesome and then the next day we went from nine thousand feet to sea level and thought that just with the elevation profile it would be Nothing but downhill, you know, 30 miles an hour all day, yeah. smiling, wee! <laughs> that was not the case. But yeah, really the only thing making the wee sound was the sound of our screeching brakes that we were clutching onto with every ounce of fear in our bodies as we took what we thought was a more direct shortcut. It um, was more direct. It was more direct, let the record show. But it was also uh, full of humongous landslides and some, uh, not some, without a doubt, the steepest grades of yes. any road we've been on. Yes. Um, largely dirt roads that, um, <laughs> to add to it, it was like just shitting rain. Like the type of rain where 
no matter what type of waterproof layer you have on, everything is soaked. You are just to the absolute core soaking wet. Um, and then it starts running down the road. You've got these like rivers of mud flushing oh, down yeah. this road that you're also trying to navigate on your bike can't see the rocks your brakes are screeching you're coming up to this hairpin turn just going with the flow <laughs> not knowing if you're gonna make the turn or fly off the edge it was just hair raising yeah but it was I, I mean as sketchy as it was it was some of the most fun riding parts of it were some of the most fun riding that we've done of just being high up in the Oaxacan mountains and on these dirt tracks that very few people probably ride their bikes on and with the landslides I mean these landslides were massive they wiped out entire roads but you could tell that there the landslides had been there for a couple weeks since the last earthquake and there had been little footpaths um, over the landslides so we were able since we're on bikes just to kind of half haul half walk half trudge our bikes through these landslides um, to get to the road which kind of just meant that there were going to be less cars uh, which was awesome, and uh, I don't know how many cars could have even <laughs> navigated that road without the piles of debris. It was insane. Oh yeah, um, but after uh, an almost eighty mile day, we made it to the coast, and um, we're back in the Pacific. Jumped in yesterday, and the water is blue and warm, and it is feels good feels good and the fact that we are now complete like we are in the jungle like mm-hmm. it is absolute 100 percent jungle um as we were r- rolling into town the town we're in is mazunte the last probably five miles uh i was riding in front and we're riding pretty close to the shoulder of the road and i see a coiled up probably five five and a half foot python um on the side of the road and we're talking like the girth like the size of your forearm slash bicep um and luckily the moment i pass it i realized that it was dead but my god it was was just like like a a, it was a pile of snake yeah (laughs) yeah it was terrifying coiled up pile of dead snake yeah and so it's just kind of a a teaser for what's what's to come um the jungle is so fucking scary yeah <laughs> there's i mean yeah it's just we're in for it and it's the raging season too and it's just like we are freaking in for it but uh it's all good it's all good yep we did not arrive in mazunte without incident though after pulling up soaking wet and getting on our phones to try and connect with the person who had offered to host us uh we found out that another major earthquake had hit this time much closer to mexico city causing much more damage and some pretty tragic loss of life yeah it was pretty sobering um i mean yeah we arrived and each had like 10 emails and text messages from friends and family um because we had just you know posted pictures from mexico city and people were real worried um and yeah the craziest part is that most of the damage sustained like collapsed buildings and stuff were in the two neighborhoods that we were staying in uh while we were in mexico city the roma neighborhood and um la condesa uh and yeah luckily uh all of our friends from mexico city they're all safe but 
um, yeah, just goes to goes to show that earthquakes are no joke. And um, I mean, the the first morning we were here in Mizunte, I was uh, getting a juice, and this lady was making my juice, and all of a sudden, in the middle of it, she had her head down, and a, a, a large truck rolled by, and uh, she grabbed the table and braced herself, um, and looked up at me like eyes, com- like so wide, just with like absolute terror. And she, she luckily saw the truck and realized that it was not an earthquake. But um, she apologized. She was like, "Hey, I'm just really on edge. I thought that was an earthquake." Uh, and you just you just see that it really messes with people, and uh, it's you know just kind of a a a, a wild reality that um, people in this part of the world and many other parts of the world have to live with. But yeah, just. Uh, very grateful that um, we were safe and uh, we didn't even feel this one Um, but yeah just very very grateful and please 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 send all your love um, prayers whatever whatever you do to uh, the people in Mexico City and still in Chiapas and Oaxaca who've been affected by by these massive earthquakes Um, because we're we're seeing firsthand that it's it's the real deal yeah, words really cannot describe just how fortunate we feel to have escaped both of those very serious earthquakes without a scratch, without any loss of property or any friends, any loved ones. Um, certainly, there are a lot of people who were not as fortunate as we were, and we're even more fortunate still that uh, people who have been seriously affected are continuing to go out of their way to help a couple of gringos like us do this crazy random trip at this weird point in our lives. So these are the people that we want to thank this week. First and foremost, uh, Thibaut, Balam, and Alexis again opening your doors to us for like almost 10 days. Uh, With all of our smelly shit and just weird hours that we're keeping, we really appreciate you guys uh, giving us a place to call home. And Haley, thank you so much for being our contact point for all the packages that we needed sent to Mexico City. Uh, Of course, in Mexican fashion, it was not straightforward at all. Um, And you were smooth as butter through the whole thing. So thanks so much. And also thanks for bringing us out. Showing Um, us pulque. Yeah, (laughs) showing us pulque and um, just being a very kind person. And then a second kindness of strangers shout out to Victor from San Miguel. We met up with him again in Mexico City, and he took us on a tour of the Ciclovia that takes place every Sunday there along Reforma Avenue. Uh, he and his brother Raul... What is, what, tell them what the Ciclovia is. Ciclovia is a tradition that's been going on for nine years in Mexico City where they shut down the biggest street in the city and open it up to pedestrians, cyclists, rollerbladers, uh, Zumba classes. It's just a... A tradition on Sundays where everybody comes out and hangs out along the, one of the most beautiful streets in the city and it's pretty amazing to participate in it um, we had a great time Victor and Raul and his two kids showed us all around showed us some secret spots in uh, the Central Park Bosque Chapultepec and then took us out to a great lunch and um, huge, huge, huge shout out to the homies Thomas, Allie, and Kate for visiting us, for being our gear mules, um, and just show, showing us some love, some friendliness, 
Um, and Thomas, thank you for the underwear um, that you gave me after mine had burnt holes in it. Don't ask how the holes were burnt. Just accept it, people. It was pretty great getting a, a source of entertainment that wasn't just Tommy and myself entertaining each other. Uh, one of the funniest things we witnessed was on the first night, we're all getting ready to go uh, get some dinner. Everyone's putting on their best, you know, dressed to the nines, and Allie uh, needs to clip her fingernails, so she goes into the bathroom, pulls out the tiny little waste basket to deposit her clippings into while she trims them up on the kitchen table, and I think it took uh, a couple of seconds for us to realize what the contents of that basket were, and they were all of the used pieces of toilet paper that the five of us had been collecting. Yeah. Over the last 24 hours. Yeah. And they were just there on the kitchen table. Yeah. Uh, in, in Latin America, you aren't able to put your toilet paper into the toilet, so you just have to throw it away in the trash can next to the toilet. And when you see that on the table where you're eating food, you are a little surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so, Allie, thank you for giving us a good laugh. Oh, yeah. And then once we started rolling again, we had um, maybe our biggest celebrity moment of the trip so far in this tiny little town that I can't even pronounce. No clue what town it was. <laughs> uh, there was this woman and her four, I don't know if they were her daughters, but four girls between the ages of like five and 13 maybe. And uh, first they came up and asked about our bikes and the trip we were doing. So we started talking about that and they said their goodbyes and walked off and then maybe... 30 seconds later came around the corner again and asked if uh, her daughter could take a picture with us and we were so flattered whenever that happens it's, <laughs> it's like funny and it's also just makes us feel so good in like this weird way that uh, we don't know if it's just because we're like light skinned gringos or if because we're wearing these goofy clothes or because we have these good bikes but it's just funny and we enjoy the feeling and so the daughter uh, took her picture with us and then one by one all of the other girls asked to take their picture with us and then finally the mother of all the girls was like okay well I need a picture too so we got our little celebrity feel good boost there thank you guys uh, if you ever hear this <laughs> yeah if you ever somehow <laughs> stumble upon the spoken to your podcast <laughs> uh, and um Obed, Obed, thank you so much for giving us a place to stay in um, Tehuacan. Um, Obed and his two roommates were some of the nicest people that we stumbled upon on this trip. Just genuinely good. Um, and the moment we got there, Obed had us hop in his car so we could make it to this big nature uh, nature preserve that's just on the other side of the mountains um, with the last little bit of light. And then we got back. He brought us to his favorite carnita spot. And um, we got back and they, they gave their bed up um, for Ty and I to sleep in that night. And then the next morning, uh, we awoke to coffee and, I believe, blueberry pancakes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, these guys were just absolutely amazing. Thank you all so, 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 so much. It meant the world. After we left their lovely little home in Tehuantepec, we went back into the rain and just got pummeled 
all afternoon until we arrived at the town of San Cristobal where we desperately searched for a place to sleep and the Familia Ramirez who run a little uh, just miscellaneous shop there on the corner outside of town um, they had this great uh, covered patio and we just knocked on their door and asked in our most desperate Spanish if we could stay and not only did they let us crash but they gave us water they gave us food they gave us coffee uh, it was the kind of like out of nowhere generosity that quite literally saved us yeah and that was definitely one of the most desperate we looked as we were standing in the rain I had at this point put plastic bags over my shoes to keep my feet wet and just looked like a couple of soggy turds just pleading for help so yeah that was that was pretty cool and then we got to Mazunte where we're staying with Paolo in his amazing little jungle bungalow here uh, Paolo thanks so much for putting us up and giving us this awesome place to record this episode and hey Uncle Tom thank you for the spoke nation same to my father Mark Michael and his lovely lovely mother Joanne Michael known best to the world as Jana and uh, for anyone else out there who's just thinking about throwing a Spoke Nation our way, thank you in advance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, that about wraps it up for Kindness to Strangers. Yeah. Um, do we want to include the episode 10 bonus clip that we were sent earlier this week? I think we should because those are just as valuable to us as Spoke Nations. So if you guys don't have the financial means to give to such a ragtag organization as the Spoken Tour, we understand. Maybe you can give something like this instead. Good evening, Spoken Tour. This is Power Pat, coming to you live from Denver, Colorado. Probably a few thousand miles away from where you guys are at right now. Um, but I thought I would check in after another natural disaster struck down south. Glad you boys are okay. Um, but I was thinking today, you might need a little chuckle on the road when you're pedaling and the, and the going gets tough. So here's a little experience that happened to Power Pat out in the Weminuche wilderness. Uh, it was dusk. It was dusk. The sun was setting. And we had just made camp. Graham and Braxton were hanging their tarp over their tents. Sleeping uh, hammocks, sorry, excuse me, oh my gosh. Um, Kate, you know, frolicking through the meadow with Percy and me, Power Pat, uh, in search of firewood. We were going to have a rager. We were camped right in front of the Guardian, right next to the creek, the Golden Creek. Tommy knows all about that. Just fucking majestic. So... As I'm walking past Braxton Graham, searching for the perfect tree that holds the mecca of all wood-burning branches, I stumble, 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 stumble through the woods, look up, and what do I see but just a fucking giant of a tree. And this fucker's dead. Dry as a bone. Not an ounce of water on it. So, like any human would do, really. I marched right over to it. Started getting the little things out of the way, you know, 
small branch here, bigger branch there, and then I got to the mother load. I got to the thick daddies, the juicy ones, those ones that are just going to burn and spit embers at you. Well, they did. They got Percy on her fur a few times. But go finally get to the gold on this tree. And I'm tearing away and ripping away, getting these huge, huge branches. Like, I'm seriously talking like 15-foot branches off this huge tree. So, I finally make my pile, and it's, you know, waist high on me, these huge, huge branches, and I see one more just perfect, and I can't just leave it. There was no way I could leave. It, it would, This log, would, it burned for a good, good 40 minutes, and I just couldn't leave it. And it was really on this tree, like really on this tree. So I go up to it, and I'm shaking that thing. I'm wiggling it back and forth. I'm scratching my head. What the f***? How do I get this thing off? Throwing rocks at it. Percy's barking at it. So, all of a sudden, Power Pat and his wisdom kicks in, and I start kicking it. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm going to just kick this f***er. I'm going to kick this bitch to the ground and burn it. So kick it and kick it and kick it. And... Finally, I can see it starting to break, and I give it the hardest motherfucking kick I've ever kicked anything in my entire life. It snaps into fucking oblivion. Well, the problem with that was that this thing was so large, and the force of my kick shot back probably a chunk of wood the size of a, the size of a shoe shot it back directly into my fucking pecker square in the pecker granted i'm i'm 200 yards away from from camp right now i let out the fucking manliest loudest most painful yell scream just noise it was it felt like somebody had took the tip of my penis and placed it on a rock and then grabbed another bigger rock and smashed that rock on top of my penis that was on top of the other rock. It was so freaking painful. But, you know, long or the short, it, short of the long, is, hey, we got the branch. We branch. got the, And we burned the shit out of it. And we raged that night. And, you know, we only wish that you, were, you both were there. But, uh... You were on to bigger and better things. So, uh, if you're curious, my penis has healed. There was some slight bruising, but everything is okay, and it's working fine. Uh, I haven't had any wetties since that, the incident, but uh, crossing my finger, I, I still can. Uh, glad you boys are safe, and uh, we really miss you guys. Love you.